The Gospel reading for this morning is taken from Matthew's Gospel, beginning in the 21st chapter at the 23rd verse. Matthew wrote these things. Then Jesus was back in the temple teaching, and the high priests and leaders of the people came up and demanded, Show us your credentials. Who authorized you to teach here? And Jesus responded, First, let me ask you a question. You answer my question, and I'll answer yours. About the baptism of John, who authorized it, heaven or humans? And they were on the spot, and they knew it. They pulled back into a huddle and whispered, If we say heaven, he'll ask us why we didn't believe him. And if we say humans, we're up against it with the people because they hold up John as a prophet. So they decided to concede this round to Jesus. We don't know, they answered. And Jesus said, well, then neither will I answer your question. Tell me what you think of this story. A man had two sons. He went up to the first and said, son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. And the son answered, I don't want to. And later on he thought better of it and went. And the father gave the same command to the second son and he answered, sure, glad to. But he never went. Which of the two sons did what the father asked? They said the first. And Jesus said, yes. And I tell you that crooks and whores are going to precede you into God's kingdom. John came to, show, came to you showing you the right road. You turned up your noses at him, but the crooks and whores believed him. And even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we are like tightrope walkers in the circus of life, balancing home and work, play and prayer, friends and solitude. We are one step away from falling, yet encouraged by an inner voice which says, trust me. The God of life is present. God studies the wire, beckons us to keep our eyes looking forward, reaches out to us on the last step. The God of life is there even when we fall, bouncing us from the net to try again. Holy God, we are like tightrope walkers in the circus of life who know your presence. Be with us now as we talk about it. Amen. The Jewish story tells of the good fortune of a hard-working farmer. The Lord appeared to this farmer and granted him three wishes, but only with the condition that whatever the Lord did for the farmer would be given double to his neighbor. So the farmer, scarcely believing his good fortune, 
wished for a hundred cattle, and immediately he received a hundred cattle, and he was overjoyed until he saw that his neighbor had two hundred. So he wished for a hundred acres of land, and he again was filled with joy until he saw that his neighbor had 200 acres of land. And rather than celebrating God's goodness, the farmer could not escape feeling jealous and slighted because his neighbor had received more than he. And finally, he stated his third wish, that God would strike him blind in one eye. And God wept. Now, Scripture tells us that Jesus entered the temple and began to teach. But what we don't know from today is that the previous day, he had been there as well. And that was the day that he had turned over the money changers' tables. He had driven out all who were buying and selling in the temple. And then the blind and the lame had come to him, and he had cured them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the amazing things that he did, they became angry. They grumbled. Jesus responded, and then Jesus withdrew from the temple for the night. So now we're in the next day, and Jesus has come right back on in to the temple. He settles in, and he begins to teach the people. And you know, it does seem that anyone who interacted with Jesus and sensed that he was some, someone different from all the others, would begin to ask just who this traveling rabbi really was. So the chief priests and the scribes do indeed come to him to pose a question, and it's a question many ask, even today, I believe. By what authority do you do and say these things? And I don't think it's any small matter that they address him in the place that was the seat of spiritual authority inside of Judaism, the temple. And we might also speculate that this was a question that still plagued Matthew's church years later, when the temple no longer existed and much authority was called into question. It helps set the stage for the ensuing story. Keep in mind, please, that what appears to be absolute is not always absolute. By what authority do I say and do these things? Well, I'll ask you a question, and if you answer, I'll answer. So Jesus confronts the temple leaders with a question about John's authority. Now, John was baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. Please remember that rituals for forgiveness were largely in the hands of the priests in the temple. That was one of their main functions. This is at the heart an issue of authority. Could someone like John or someone like Jesus declare God's forgiveness and pronounce that forgiveness on others? Such authority was claimed outside of the law code. Both John and Jesus spoke of the Spirit. How do you balance such claims? And the chief priests and scribes answered by claiming they, they did not know the answer to the question. 
I think if we examine the whole notion of authority, we soon come to realize that in most of the cases of our lives, those who have authority over us have it only because we give that authority to them. It is we who ultimately decide to accept the authority of another. And Jesus goes on to say, well, what do you think? A man had two sons and went to the first and said, son, go to work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. And the father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Hmm. A chicken and a pig came upon a church building and they read the advertisement on the billboard out front which read, help us to feed the poor. Immediately the chicken suggested that they help feed the poor with bacon and eggs. <laughs> and the pig thought for a minute and said, there is one thing wrong with feeding the poor bacon and eggs. For you it only requires a contribution, but for me, it requires total commitment. Now one says he'll help out, and he doesn't follow through. I get it. Believe me, I get it. The other son, though, is the real focus. For he says he won't help, but he does. Now whatever may have been the reason for his first response, he was already committed to doing something else. He was feeling overwhelmed. He was annoyed that he was always being asked to help whatever, he still recognized that the opportunity was still there. The future was still open. He could still respond to his father's request and invitation, and as he does, he proves himself faithful and lives into his father's hopes for him. I hope you hear this today. No matter what we have done, what has been done to us, the future is still open. We don't have to allow the past to determine our future. We are more than the total of everything that has happened to us. The future is open. And I believe that God refuses to identify us by what we do or by what has been done to us. God regards us always and only as God's children. So I ask you to consider today, to whom and to what have you given authority in your life in a way that does not serve life? And in closing, I just want to say that I know a good many people who have a hard time today, whose first, question, first questions when we talk about offering any kind of blessing, service, or support are about whether the people to whom they are offered will be deserving. 
And often the second set of questions are about what others will think if they see what we are doing. And the next set of questions all too often are about whether there is some way that we can serve people while still making sure that they know how unacceptable they are and that others know how unacceptable we really find them to be. You know, the stories that are Jesus' response to the mumblings and grumblings of those who should have known better still have the power to cause us to examine our own bitterness that seems to pop up every time we feel that God is too good to others and not good enough to us. And I think usually we would make the claim that we want mercy for ourselves and justice or judgment for others. But these stories often call us to celebrate with God because God has been merciful not only to us but to others also. Even to those we would not otherwise have accepted into our own fellowship. And you know who those people are, the sinners and tax collectors of our day. So I caution you this morning, be careful, church, because if we honestly look at these stories today, we might find that only those who can truly celebrate God's grace for others can ever really experience that mercy for themselves. So on second thought, what do you think? To God be the glory. Amen.